come with me. Consider for a moment, if you would, worlds beyond your own. Every decision that was on the verge of being a different decision sent ripples throughout everything. Let us consider what could be out there, stories familiar, yet far different. Come with me as I spin you a story you've not yet heard from beyond your stars. Listen to me as I recite this tale, hear me as I spin this yarn. Although I can only tell these stories, I will not nor cannot change them. I am the Raycontour. Dear guest, today we return to the salt-tinged air of Earth 1052. The crew of the Hanged Man have once again found themselves at odds with fate. But I suppose that's nothing new. Let's begin. Captain Rycroft Langley flexed his sore fingers as he pulled them from the wheel of the hanged man. The ship had been in better condition before, this was true, but it had also been in worse before, and while the hanged man was limping away, the other ship sank. Served those hunt damn hunters right. It reminded Rycroft a bit of his beginning of his journey. Being a cabin boy aboard the Inquisitor, an old obelisk spice trader that was hit terribly by a storm, only Rycroft had survived. But once he made it back to Avaland, he was set to be executed. Only by another freak thunderstorm was he able to escape. Rycroft wound up taking a sword from each of his fallen crewmates, making him a new pirate captain with 12 cutlasses. Of course, after a run-in with Captain Eldar Luther, that number had been turned to 13. Rycroft smiled. Already, that was three months ago. February 18th, 1713. Rycroft shivered a little at the cold. None of the crew were on deck, except, of course, the ones needed for sail trimming and the like. Everyone was likely below decks, or in playing cards, or drinking. Probably the entirety of the ship's rum supply, he thought cynically. Either way, it had been three months since Rycroft Langley had dueled Captain Eldar Luther and won Henrietta Salazar's amulet. An amulet that, when hit by the full light of the moon, duplicated whatever it was laid upon it by a dozen. Turns out that was true, and the crew was far better off for it, but once a pirate, always a pirate. Besides, they were already criminals. Why not get absurdly rich while they could? All of this was on Rycroft's mind as he steered the hanged man. He felt a hand on his shoulder. His first mate, Nissa Nowak, had come to relieve him of his post. He nodded his thanks and descended into the captain's quarters. Set out for him was a jug of water from which he drank from greedily. He hadn't even realized how thirsty he was while he was piloting the ship. After taking a few swallows, he sat down on the hardback chair next to his hammock bed. He was debating whether or not he really wanted to go down to the mess hall, seeing as the rest of the crew was probably sloppy drunk down there. He decided against it and removed his boots. He transferred himself to his hammock and drew his hat over his eyes. Rycroft dreamt of the Inquisitor rising from the depths of the ocean. Of course, that same old storm was brewing over the old ship. The Inquisitor leveled its cannons at the hanged man and opened fire, sending Rycroft from the crow's nest into the waves. After he saw this vividly, his brain was determined to show him several things he didn't understand. 
For a fleeting moment, he saw a thin man with a pair of sheathed swords and a third, much smaller one riding upon a white horse. At the armored one's hip was a mask made of bones. Around him, riding alongside him, were five other people of varying races and descriptions. All were mounted and riding very fast, though his companions instead wore strangely metal flintlocks at their hips. Rycroft noticed all of them were staring at him the entire time. Rycroft felt a vowed a bout of vertigo as his dreams shifted. Now he gazed upon in the city, but it was not a city he would have ever cared to know. The buildings were massive and appeared to touch the sky. They were unfamiliar carts, too, wrought from metal and glass that had no horses pulling them. In the sky, Rycroft saw someone with a coat embossed with a purple spider atop a web. They swung from silver cables which shot from around their wrists. Rycroft watched them fight someone clad in green atop a purple flying machine. A laughter rang out at the swinger continued their assault. Again, it changed. Rycroft now saw a hooded figure, dressed in a red and white fur coat. At their back was a scythe. When they turned, it revealed a man who was missing an eye. When he turned, Rycroft could swear that they made eye contact. For a moment, the one-eyed man seemed to shift, just him. In his place was what appeared to be the same man, but far younger, wearing a coat, waistcoat, and trousers. The coat and waistcoat were the same red, and in addition to this, he wore a cherry red scarf around his neck. In his hands was an immaculate broadsword, a deep gray blade, a fine leather handle, and what appeared to be the framework of golden veins spider webbing from handle to point, all wrapped in a faintly blue glow. On the blade was the word Heartseeker, written in fanciful script. Next to it, near the center of the pommel, was an etching of an anatomical heart emblazoned by a crown. Rycroft hesitantly took a step forward, and the man's warm smile vanished. He grew paler and paler. Suddenly his skin was marble white and his teeth appeared to unhinged. Rows upon rows of sharp teeth were crowded within his gaping maw. He lunged at Rycroft, who awoke only just in time, covered in sweat and heart racing. He eventually collected himself enough to march down to where his crew were trying to sort this out and find out for himself precisely what in the hell happened. Blimey, mates, I don't think that's how most folks would dock, Rycroft said, finding a distraught Nissa Nowak, a fuming Suffolk Stanford, and a quite nonchalant Pendleton Sherman. Hold a mock up. It's not Nowak's fault, Suffolk said, standing in front of Rycroft. Oh, whose is it then? Rycroft asked, his voice full of emotions. The Krakens. So folks said quietly, as though the mythological massive squid could hear them. It was all Rycroft could do to not ball his fists and punch Suffolk square on his jaw. Pendleton took over there and described about what half the crew had seen. 
Apparently, an honest-to-goodness kraken rose out of the depths of the ocean and sent one of its feelers all the way through the keel of the hanged man. Nissa did what she could, but that wasn't very much as she was only steering about half a ship. Mycroft looked at each of them in turn, very evenly. He then said, Okay, if you three say so, I'll believe it. But, he pulled each of them in close. If you're lying to me, I'll make all of you walk the plank. They each nodded, and Rycroft smiled. All right, then. Talk to me. Suffolk wasted, Suffolk wasted no time to begin about repairs. <sighs> Hell, Cap. I'm not sure at all. We may be able to rig something to hold until we make it to a port, but I'm doubtful. Rycroft nodded and stroked his beard, then turned over to the crew, valiantly trying to pull supplies and belongings out of the remains of the hanged man. Mycroft took a head count. There were 30 members of the crew, including himself. He only counted 25. Where the bleeding hell are they? Rycroft asked, counting again while shielding his eyes from the harsh noon sun. Golden got two of the blokes to make sure we're all alone out here. The other two... They didn't make it come. Mycroft's eyes widened as Nyssa pointed to two forms that were covered by blankets. He hadn't noticed them, but he immediately regretted his words. Who? He asked softly. Hugo and Jin, Pendleton said, wiping his eyes. They were good, those two, Rycroft said, wiping his own. Eventually, Golding the mute pirate and his two assistants returned and informed the captain that his two, that the hangman's crew, were alone on the island. However, that went both ways. There didn't appear to be a speck of human life on this island. Ever. Rycroft sat down in the almost white sand. Before him was the assembled crew of the hangman. Well, mates, I'd say we're between a rock and a hard place. Suffolk snorted. Captain, I'd say it's more like the devil in the deep blue sea. Not helping much there, lad. Okay, first things first. Two of our own have gone and kicked the bucket. We're sending them off. Jin and Hugo don't deserve a burial at sea, and we're certainly not giving them one. A cry of assent from the crew as Rycroft said this. Rycroft divided the crew into much smaller groups. A few would start on graves for Hugo and Jin. Another would work on the food situation. A third's job would be to try and continue to save what left all of the ship they could. A fourth would, and final would figure out where they'd be sleeping that night. Rycroft himself, as captain, would belong to none of these teams and found himself at, sat at the sand once more, lost in thought. Rycroft kept replaying his dream in his mind's eye, unable to even get an idea of what it all meant. Eventually, it hurt his head too much to try any further, so he stood up and started inspecting work. He first checked upon the group assigned the task of setting up camp for the night. They had thrown together a few large enough lean-tos to protect from the weather. He saw Ira sitting in one, fiddling with a basket and straw. Was she basket-weaving? Whatever, as long as she stayed busy, he supposed. He checked the group who, who was tasked for food. Golding and Suffolk had turned up berries and miraculously got a deer. Though he was happy there was game on the island, they would need way more to feed all of them. He checked on the scavenging group, and they had been the most efficient by far. All that was left aboard the hangman now was anything attached to her. The last group had just about finished up the graves, so Rycroft called an announcement that they would lay Hugo and Jin to rest that night. After a beautiful service. The old sea dogs were put beneath the ground and had a rakish funeral service. But it left each of them drained and wore out, so the pirates lumbered over to the camp. Rycroft went to bed, silently hoping it was all a bad dream. Unfortunately, he awoke with his crew still stuck on the island. Bloody hell, he thought. It had only been a day, and he was tired of this island. So he decided to flex his power as captain. 
he was going to explore the island his own self, while the rest of the crew performed their standard shipwreck tasks. A few complained, and several tried to convince him to allow them to accompany, but he was firm that this would be a captain-only adventure. Redcroft threw together a bag of provisions, pulled on his coat and his hat, and then dwelled into the thickly wooded trees of the island. Rycroft belted out a sea shanty as he walked, looking all around him. He didn't expect to find anything, this was a dodging of a chores, but also putting another pair of eyes on the surroundings. He trusted his crew, but also knew that they tended to look a bit easier if there wasn't anything immediately threatening. Understandable, he thought, who would want to live under constant vigilance, but it still wouldn't hurt. Rycroft walked for a long time, the island was far bigger than he expected. He had started his trek at perhaps 8 in the morning, and it was every bit of 2 in the afternoon now. Eventually, he eased himself onto the ground next to a big tree and pulled out the food he had made for himself. He started chomping down on his provisions, and as he ate, he felt a strange sense of deja vu. For the life of him, he couldn't place where from. He'd never been shipwrecked before, and he'd never really been one for eating lunch in a forest. He'd always preferred the docks. He spun Salazar's amulet around his fingers while he thought about it. If he'd been paying a better attention, perhaps he'd have noticed a bit sooner when it sailed from his hand and into the forest. By the time he'd noticed and came out of his thoughts, another hour had passed and it was nowhere to be found. Rycroft leapt up to his feet, swearing the whole time and cutting his eyes all around. He spotted a glimpse in gold of gold and purple gem and dough for it. He noticed it sliding away from him on the ground. He got up and started following it. Whenever he sped up to try and catch it, it sped up too, seemingly just enough to evade him. It was moving just slightly faster than him, and it led him out of the forest. Rycroft watched it cut across sandy ground and delve into a cave. He stopped just outside the dark entryway. Dare he enter this suspicious-looking cage with his damn amulet, the thing that seemed determined to leave his ownership? Rycroft caught himself. What was he thinking? He was Captain Rycroft Langley, captain of the Hanged Man, killer of Eldar Luther, and the survivor of the Inquisitor. Who exactly did this amulet think it belonged to, if not he? He would just have to remind her that stubborn bit of golden gem who its master was. He delved into the darkness of the cave. He dragged one of his cutlasses along the wall of the cave for the light. There it was, hanging from the neck of a... Bloody hell, of course. It was hanging from the neck of a skeleton. Rycroft muttered and pulled it from the neck, taking the skull off too. He paid the snow heed and dropped it around his own neck once again. He traveled back out to the entrance and began making his way home to the wrecked ship. Despite his recent nightmare and the natural superstition as a pirate, Rycroft gave no mind to the oddity of the amulet flying from him and ending up around the neck of a standing skeleton. When he returned, his mates were standing about, waiting for the chefs to finish up the stew they had been making. Rycroft greeted them, and when they request what happens, he gave them an order of events, which somehow both told them that nothing happened, but it was also a thrilling adventure which only he could have survived. Rycroft had such a way with words. As the day drew to a close, Rycroft, perhaps feeling slightly remiss about his twisting of the truth, took the watch for the night. He sat in the salvaged crow's nest, watching by lantern and spyglass. Rycroft spent the night lazily watching the beach beneath him, but Captain Langley was confident, not foolish. He dare not fall asleep in case of anything that could happen. He tapped his fingers against his spyglass and then felt it drop from his fingers, hearing the eyeglass break as it hit the cramped floor. Marching towards them were green, glowing, obelish soldiers. Rycroft's blood ran cold. He slid down the ladder of the crow's nest and ran down towards the beach. He was breathing raggedly and pulled a pair of swords from his coat. He held them both outwards and stopped. There was nothing here. 
No strange creatures waiting to drag him in his crude, watery graves. No ghosts out to take revenge for their life of plunder. No demons out to punish them for their continuous world of plunder. Nothing. What had Rycroft seen, then? He looked around, seeing absolutely nothing around him. Rycroft climbed the crow's nest again, now far more aware. He resisted sleep the whole night, never sending for anyone to relieve him of his post. Rycroft kept his eyes peeled for anything that could lead him in the right direction. But nothing. Not an iota of anything that whole night. This continued for the weeks leading on as the brick crew repaired the hanged man. Rycroft helped as he could, but he was far too tired from his late night watches to be of much assistance. Rycroft kept seeing things as he went about his day. Therefore, despite Rycroft's great place of trustworthiness among the crew, when they all saw him continuously jumping at shadows and ranting about things that weren't there, they began to fear for their own safety. Many of them had seen buccaneers become shark bait because of mad captains, though they wouldn't dare voice about this about the captain in front of them. Whenever Rycroft would suddenly leave the group, discussion would almost inevitably end of Captain Langway's deteriorating mental state. Rycroft, of course, hadn't heard about this, but he wasn't so naive to believe that his rowdy group of former privateers, sailors, and sea dogs hadn't endured captains driven mad by the lifestyle. But he wasn't mad, he was sure of that. Almost sure. Despite his best efforts, Rycroft could never get a good look of what was hunting them. In addition to that, the damned dream kept reoccurring, and furthermore, that blasted storm which had haunted him since the Inquisitor's sank was beginning to edge towards the island. It was a bad hand fate had dealt the crew. There was little to be done anyway. Thankfully, and finally, the ship was in decent enough condition to sail, at least in fair weather. No one was certain how well the repairs would hold up in the storm, but it hardly mattered. Everyone in the crew was far too tired of the island to wait any longer. When the decision came down to Rycroft, he weighed his options and decided that they had either get out or die trying. Had Rycroft been in a better state of mind, he probably would have tried to give a rousing speech. The most he could do in his current state was a hearty, Let's not die, lads! The crew took this in stride and began preparing the stitched-together hanged man to set off. closed windows. His lanterns flickered as the ship rose and fell on the waves. Rycroft felt cold. Something was watching him. He wasn't sure how long it had been there, but it was there now. He spun in circles, seeing monstrous eyes on the walls around him. His knees shook as he spun, fear washing over him. Rycroft felt bile rise in his throat as the eyes spun, but always seemed to land on him. Almost unable to stand, he lurched out of his quarters and ran up the deck abandoned. There wasn't a soul on the main deck. 
Mycroft almost felt his knees buckle, but valiantly managed to remain standing. He saw a ghostly skeletal being standing on his deck. Mycroft managed to reset his feet to regain balance, not noticing that his hat had sailed away in the wind. These were invaders. Whatever these ghosty things were, they, had, they were invaders on his ship. His poor, broken, hanged man. And Rycroft was fed up with his mind playing tricks on him, so he rushed towards the wheel. Wheels spun in all directions, painful to look at. There was a pair of ghosties hanging around near the wheel. Rycroft leveled his flintlocks at the duo. The discharge crackled at the same time as a bolt of lightning arced down onto the wave behind the ship. The two ghost pirates dissolved into mist. Rycroft unsheathed one of his swords and stabbed it into the support of the wheel, holding it in place and preventing the unending turns. Rycroft, like all pirates worth their salt, knew every inch of their ship and he was able to walk confidently and powerfully on one every inch. Redcroft hopped onto the side banister, and he sprinted across it, slicing and cutting down the ghostly sail trimmers. He swung from a stray rope over to the other side and started hacking away at a group of other ghostly pirates hanging near the figurehead. He cut down a few and pitched a few more overboard. He whirled around and hurriedly ducked as a rifle shot missed him. Quickly, he grabbed another and held them in front of him, forcing the captive to take the shot from the rifle. Rycroft threw aside the, the misting corpse and ran up to the sharpshooter, pitching them onto the deck below where they broke into mist. Rycroft scampered onto the deck, drenched in the waters of the rain and ocean fell around him. He turned around and saw an intimidating figure behind him. If the people he'd been cutting down were pirates, then of course this would be their captain. He held only one sword in his hand, but curiously he didn't have hands, or feet for that matter. Where his wrists and ankles ended, tentacles, like that of an octopus or a squid, one of the tentacles wrapped itself around a cutlass. The ghostly face became a gnarled and twisted sneer. The captain began striking at him. Rycroft hopped onto the banister again, trusting that familiar territory would be his advantage. As he backed away, he unsheathed two swords and a third on his back held in his mouth. Rycroft managed to keep up with those strange squid person. Despite the concerning lack of feet, the foreign captain dueled with Langley. The single sword met with the trio of Rycroft, but never seemed to make headway so it would seem. The foreigner balled the free tentacle into a fist and struck at Rycroft, knocking the sword taken from Eldar Luther into the murky depths of the ocean below. Stunned, Rycroft managed to remain balanced. He hopped from the banister and onto a rope. Taking immense focus, he remained steady, but the other captain seemed to have far less trouble than he. The other captain gained on Rycroft, their strange appendages allowing them to hold onto the rope far easier than Rycroft's human ones. Eventually, Rycroft was knocked from his rope and careened towards the deck below. The wind and rain rushed past the poor captain's ears as he not only hit the deck, but went straight to it into the below decks, into the cannon room. The tentacled captain delved after its opponent, searching. It found him all right. There was a cannon whirling around to meet their face. Rycroft lit the fuse and gave his opponent the middle finger salute as the cannon discharged again as a lightning bolt flashed behind them. After the opponent was defeated... Rycroft felt his adrenaline fade, and he fell down, victorious. When he awoke, he had returned to his bedroom. 
sitting in the chair in the room was Nissa Nowak, her sleeves pulled up to show her strange blue tattoos. Rycroft indignantly pulled up his blankets as he saw her smirking at him. Nowak! What? What happened? Her smirk went wider as she looked over at him. I'd like you to tell me that, Captain. You've been acting weird for a while now, but you went right off the deep end last night. You started running around like a chicken with its head cut off, acting like you were trying to fight an army. A whole lot of the crew had to run off as you got started cutting and shooting like you had gone and lost your mind. Rycroft, really, man, what happened? Rycroft scratched his chin. Hell if I know, Nissa. I'd love to be able to tell you, but... I feel like I found something on that island. Rycroft shuddered. Or maybe something found me on that island. I don't know. I hope I've not been thrown off the edge towards the crew. Nissa whistled and laughed as he spoke. We'll have to see, Cap. We'll have to see. Now get dressed. We've made it to port. Rycroft smiled at her as she walked out of his quarters. Then he got up and got started. His crew needed their captain, whether they'd be willing to have him or not. A thousand leagues below the sea, a thousand leagues below Captain Langley and his crew, something, something which slumbered beneath the waves nodded as it understood. It understood humanity a bit better now. It began to relay its findings to its master, the master of all darkness, the silhouette. That, my guest, will be all. Captain Langley avoided madness by the skin of his teeth. But he did. Now, where will Captain Langley arrive now? There's no telling. We'll have to arrive at that answer when we arrive. Thank you for joining me, my guest. I do hope you'll do so again. As always, I've been the Raycontour. You've been my guest, and this has been my Compendium of Many Worlds. I'll see you next time. Lazarus's goal would be the death of him. His crusade for answers had led him nowhere. But he knew he could find it out if he just had enough time. But he needed to focus on something else. Fortunately, something else was worthy of his attention. Lazarus had taken up residence on Earth 431. Three decades after the second death of Detective Axel Reagan. One key difference in this world and your own is that organized crime is far far more organized. A large group, referred to in hushed circles as the family, threatens Lazarus's adopted Earth. Such a thing is something he will not stand for. Lazarus has decided that he will execute justice, seeing as Earth 431's lawmen refused to do so. And it just so happens a delegation meeting was tonight, with delegates of the family from all around California. Thirty representatives representing the worst of each county in California. 30 representatives plus one. Death himself would come knocking tonight.